Hello, welcome to Discovering Jazz. My name's Larry Sademan here in Victoria, BC. In this program, we all discover jazz old and new together. We'll listen to a wide variety of jazz styles and I'll present different topics, giving ideas as to what we can listen for to enhance our experience. Thanks to Peterborough Independent Podcasters for hosting this podcast. For the next 60 minutes, discovering jazz. During the days when Downbeat magazine was easy to find and buy at local stores, I'd either buy it or read through it, immediately turning to the blindfold test. This was something that had been started by the late jazz critic Leonard Feather, the first one being published in Metronome magazine in 1946. They continued in various publications and were a regular feature of Downbeat magazine for about 50 years, I think. Uh, the musician would listen to the piece, then he would give Feather their guess as to who was playing, and he would also talk a little bit about the style of the selections. I always marveled at how so often musicians could tell one musician from another, whether they were identifying the bassist, drummer, horn player, guitarist, or pianist. So today, I want to talk about pianists and try to figure out how to identify one piano player from another. If I were given a blindfold test, I suspect I'd do pretty badly. I mean, if I know the record, sure, I can then tell you who it is, but most likely anyway. <laughs> but if I don't, I doubt it. For this episode, I want to start with a few pianists who I think I might be able to identify. How about Ama Jamal, whose earlier recordings I'm pretty familiar with. Here is something from his classic 1958 album, Live at the Pershing. His own composition, simply called Ahmed's Blues, and it illustrates all the characteristics I think of when I think of Ahmed Jamal.
So what are those specific characteristics that say Ahmad Jamal all over it? So that even somebody who hadn't heard this tune might be able to identify it as being Jamal. Well, for me, there are three. One of them is that light as a feather touch. It typifies the tickling the ivories cliche. Number two is the many pauses referred to by some musicologists as his use of space. Sometimes he has very short phrases, sometimes longer ones, but there's such a distinct period of silence between the phrases. And when he's playing with the trio, the rest of his trio then do something with those silences. And the third characteristic is his use of dynamics, extreme soft passages that suddenly explode. But interestingly, in an interview with jazz writer Len Lyons in the early 1980s, Jamal claimed that a primary thing that identifies the Jamal style is his use of what is called pedal tones, where the pianist uses the same bass note for a number of different chords. He states he learned that from listening to the compositions of the great French composer Maurice Ravel. So let's hear which of these four characteristics are still part of Ama Jamal's style over 60 years later. This is a tune that has been considered his theme song, which he re-recorded as a piano solo in his 2020 album called Ballads, Poinciana.
Well, I don't know if I would have identified that as Ahmed Jamal if I were given a blindfold test, but it does have quite a few of the characteristics for which Jamal is known. Even though it's solo piano, he still creates some of that space, which he refers to as discipline. The touch isn't quite the light as a feather that we heard in Ahmad's blues. Definitely lots of pedal tones where the same bass is used for various chords. You'll really hear that at the end. The loud versus soft dynamics are also there. Maybe not as extreme as what you hear in that earlier Live at the Pershing album. One pianist who, at least in terms of the use of those dynamics, is the antithesis of Ahmad Jamal might be Fred Hirsch, who you're hearing in the background, even though Hirsch states that the beautiful, clear, pearly sound that Jamal, especially on that Live at the Pershing album, would get on those top two octaves were such an influence on him. Uh, I also remember reading in an interview with Hirsch how he would focus on staying within a certain mid-range of louds and softs, totally the opposite of what Jamal would do. From 2017, you're hearing Fred Hirsch's solo piano version of Benny Golson's Whisper Not.
whisper not? While I really like Fred Hirsch as a pianist, I doubt if I would recognize him in terms of being able to distinguish him from other great jazz pianists. Like Ahmed Jamal, he allows himself a lot of freedom in his playing, and it never seems stilted. He's been nominated for several Grammys, and he's very prolific. It'll be interesting to see, as I listen to more and more Fred Hirsch, whether I find I'm able to pick him out. And if I were given a blindfold test of a recording of him that I haven't heard before, would I be able to say, that's Fred Hirsch? I just don't know. One thing he said in the notes to his open book album is that jazz is not nearly about playing what you know, but musically going to those places where you've never been before. Unquote. Here is the first recording I ever heard of him. And I was aware of liking the piano playing when I first heard this Sam Jones big band album. I think that freedom to go to those unknown places even showed up here. And this was one of the first recordings he ever made. It's from 1979, and the album is called Something New for the Sam Jones 12-piece band. Sam Jones was a bass player who died of cancer a couple of years after this album was made. While Fred Hirsch is present throughout, you can really hear that going to places you've never been before in his solo in Stella by Starlight. Let's give a listen. Thank you. 
the Sam Jones Big Band with pianist Fred Hirsch, Stella by Starlight. Today on Discovering Jazz, I'm playing some different pianists, hoping I can discover how I can tell one great pianist from another. One pianist I can virtually always tell. And I'd love someone to test me on that one with a blindfold test is Thelonious Monk. Now, while nobody is ever going to mix up either Ahmad Jamal or Fred Hirsch with Thelonious Monk, Hirsch himself described some similarities. He said, We both value the use of space in our phrase making. We both improvise with the specifics of the musical material in whatever tune we are playing. And we both have a deep internal personal sense of swing. We know the words of the American popular songbook songs we play so that we can interpret them with more wisdom. And we each have a singular but very different piano sound. Unquote. And both of them sound free and unconstrained when they play. Yet that monk sound is, to many ears, rather coarse and sometimes heavy-handed. He plays with flat fingers as a way of getting this percussive sound across. Because his compositions are even more legendary than his playing, in order to keep them separate, I'm going to play a couple of recordings of Monk playing standards. Here he is with Duke Ellington's I Let a Song Go Out of My Heart. Thank you. 
pretty sure that if this recording was thrown at me in a blindfold test, I'd have identified it as Thelonious Monk. It's not just the way he hits the keys, but it's also what he hits. There was a part in his solo where he hits the same interval of a minor second, a very dissonant interval, over and over again. That's a monkism. This is from a 1956 album on Riverside called Thelonious Monk plays Duke Ellington with Oscar Pettiford on bass and Kenny Clark drums. Now, here's a tune Thelonious Monk played a lot as a solo. And this is a recording from a concert in Denmark in 1966. His sense of rhythm is simply phenomenal, and there's no question about who is playing. Very identifiable. Don't blame me.
One thing about Thelonious Monk is that even though he was one of the inventors of bebop in the 1940s, elements of his style were very much in the traditional stride piano style, popularized by some of the great pianists of the 1920s and 30s. One of the best known was Fats Waller, and I'd like to think that I've heard enough of Waller growing up to be able to identify any recording someone might play for me although whether I could distinguish him from some of the older stride players, like his teacher James B. Johnson or Willie the Lion Smith, I'm not totally sure. But of course, if you played this one, I certainly would, as I grew up listening to this, as it was one of my parents' 78 RPM records that I would play over and over again. It's called Minor Drag. That's Waller from 1929. from Fats Waller. His voice on this 1938 recording where he's kibitzing with Adelaide Hall is unmistakable, but I think that lilt within his piano playing is also distinctive. I can give you anything but love Baby That's the only thing I've plenty of Oh, baby. Dad. 
That's what I'm supposed to do. Dream a while. Yes. Scheme a while. You're wrong. You're sure to find. That's what you think. I'm sure to find. Happiness. And I guess all the things you're sure to find for. Gee, I love to see you. Look and swell. Well, my tailor's waiting right outside the door. Baby, you can give me look and swell. I ain't playing. Diamond bracelets, Woolworths, doesn't sell. I never had a my diamond bracelet in my life. What do I want it for? Till that lucky day, you know darn well. What happens? What goes Ooh, on in here? Oh, baby, that I can give you anything. Come here, let me tell you something. I can't dish out anything but love. That's the only thing I've got plenty of. Baby, you talk about dreaming a while, giving a while. You're sure to find happiness. And I guess all those fine Arabian things your little heart pines for, yes. Skip them. I'd love to see you looking swell. Diamond bracelets? Woolworth ain't got no business selling them. You can go to, go to, uh, well, uh, well, well, well. Until that lucky day, you know darn well, well, baby. I ain't dishing out nothing, ain't getting off of nothing but love. How's that, babe? your diamond. That's Waller and Adelaide Hall. Two other jazz pianists who I can usually identify are known for their incredible dexterity, Art Tatum and Montreal's Oscar Peterson. I'll save talking about Oscar Peterson until uh, a later program, but instead I want to talk about another Montreal pianist, a protege of Oscar Peterson, Oliver Jones. I found it so striking as to how much he was able to replicate some of the amazing piano runs that Art Tatum did. But while I haven't heard enough of Oliver Jones to be able to hear something and say, hey, that's Oliver Jones, I think I can do that with Art Tatum. I'll first talk about Art Tatum and play a couple tracks of his solo piano, then talk about Oliver Jones and play a bit of a 2014 interview where he talks about his first meeting with Art Tatum. Art Tatum, who was almost totally blind from an early age, lived from 1909 to 1956, and while he continued playing in his own style and ignored the rise of bebop, which lessened his popularity toward the end of his life, to quote Wikipedia, he established new ground in jazz through innovative use of reharmonization, voicing, and bitonality, unquote. And what he did was incredible and most other jazz pianists state that in terms of those innovations and his dexterity on the keys, he was probably the greatest solo piano innovator who ever lived. One of his biggest influences and a close friend was the pianist I just played, 
that's Waller. And with Art Tatum's use of stride as a base for much of these amazing innovations, you can hear that influence, such as in this next recording from 1949, his version of Willow Weep for Me. Oscar Peterson is very much influenced by Tatum, mostly positively, but he acknowledged also being intimidated by his playing. He states that as a youngster, his father played him Tatum's recording of Tiger Rag, and he swore it was two people playing. And when he finally came to terms with the fact that it was just one man, he gave up piano for a month, figuring it was hopeless to practice. You're listening to that version that he probably heard of Tiger Rag. From 1933, Art Tatum. Thank you. 
the phenomenal Art Tatum. Onward to talking about Oliver Jones, like Oscar Peterson, born and raised in Montreal. In fact, his family and Oscar Peterson's only lived 15 houses apart, and at the age of seven and a half, hearing Oscar play, he was so inspired that he asked his parents if he could switch piano teachers to Daisy, Oscar Peterson's sister, and the switch was made. Oliver's best friend lived next door to Oscar Peterson, and he'd always wanted to hear Oscar practicing next door. So, for sure, he was an early influence. But both Oliver Jones and Oscar Peterson were also influenced by Art Tatum. Here's a story that Oliver Jones told the jazz bassist Jonah Jonathan during an interview in 2014. One time I was just passing by, and uh, one of the family said, Come in, quick. Mm. And so I ran, I went upstairs, and uh, so Oscar said, I want you to meet this young man. Uh, he's, he's just starting out, he wants to be a jazz player. By this time, I guess I was 12 or 13 years old. And so I remember sitting down, and this man, just some old and elderly man of what I thought was elderly mm. at the time. And uh, so I sat and I remember I played Don't Blame Me. Mm. And uh, all the while this, this man behind me was saying, mm. 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 didn't say anything more than that. So I'm getting kind of nervous and, I'm, and I still didn't know who he was. Anyway, so when I got finished, this man sat down and he did this. greatest pianist in history? Probably the greatest. You're listening to something from Oliver Jones' first album, recorded in 1984. It's the Miles Davis Chuck Wayne standard, Solar. And you can certainly hear many Art Tatum licks, as well as his Oscar Peterson influence. Let's turn it up.
let's finish off with one more from Oliver Jones, and we'll see if we can pick out a distinctive style. You're listening to Discovering Jazz. My name's Larry Sademan. Next week, a brief history of jazz piano. Bye for now. Taking you home with Over the Rainbow by Oliver Jones with Dave Young on bass and Norm Marshall Villanova on drums from the 2011 Montreal Jazz Festival. Thank you.